This podcast is supported by Evernorth Health Services. Welcome to The Whole Story. I'm Anderson Cooper in Tel Aviv. As we've seen this weekend, Israel's war against Hamas has entered a new phase. What that means for the more than 200 people held hostage in Gaza is unclear. Most of those hostages were taken on October 7th from Israeli communities or kibbutzim close to the Gaza border. On a kibbutz called Nir Oz, it's estimated a quarter of the 400 or so people who lived there were either killed or captured. The whole story of what happened at Nir Oz is only now really coming to light. Tonight, we want you to meet those who survived the attack at Nir Oz, who are now fighting for answers about what happened to their missing loved ones and neighbors. This was the Nir Oz kibbutz before October 7th. Nir Oz has huge and beautiful fields all around it. Many of them uh, are potatoes, but some uh, peanuts and carrots and many, many other crops. It's like you walk without shoes, with your dogs. It's one of the places that you, can, you could still come and hear the birds singing. It's paradise. It was a tightly knit community of some 400 men, women, and children. It's like a big family. The community of the kibbutz is very close. It's a special place, Niroz. Sharon Lifshitz grew up in Niroz, just a mile and a half from Gaza. Kibbutz was a socialist utopia, if you wish. I always try to explain to people that we were brought up in a utopia. And in many ways, it was wonderful. Her parents, Yocheved and Oded Lifshitz, were peace activists who helped found the kibbutz in the 1950s. It was built by a lot of people that came from cities that already grew up in Israel. They were not Holocaust survivors. So it had a kind of a lighter atmosphere, I think, than many other places. What brought them together is they believe in human rights, they believe in peace, and they believe that everybody, on all nations, on all religions, deserve to live in peace. Noam Perry's parents were among the founders as well. Members of the kibbutz each have their own job and, and way of life, but they gather a lot for joint meals and holidays and other occasions, and they have this community both for taking together decisions and celebrating holidays. On October 7th, the kibbutz had just finished celebrating the last day of a religious holiday. At dawn, as the security cameras show, there was no sign of danger. Six o'clock in the morning, everything looks rather normal. You know, most of the people are sleeping. Couple wake up early in order to uh, go on a walk. At 6.06 a.m., God Haggai and his wife, Judy Weinstein, headed out the front gate for their morning walk. Around 6.30, they recorded this video showing in the distance rockets firing from Gaza. A red alert was called immediately. The couple sent this video to a group chat at 6.42 a.m. They haven't been heard from since. 
I could hear uh, the red colors. It means that we have to go to the safe room, to the shelter. I'm all alone in my own house. My children with the father in the other house. Hadas Calderon's youngest kids, Sahar and Erez, were with their father, Ofer, in his house nearby. Hadas's 19-year-old son, Rotem, was in his own house. And Hadas's mother, Carmela Dan, was in her home with her 13-year-old granddaughter, Noya, who's autistic. Our grandma was his, her best friend. That's why she was with her. That's Hadassah's oldest daughter, Gaia, who lives in Tel Aviv. When everything is happening, I talk, talk to my mom, my dad, my sister, my grandma. By 6.49 a.m., Hamas gunmen were at the front gate. A security camera shows bullets hitting an empty guardhouse. By the yellow main gate, you have a boot in which someone usually guards the entrance. No one is there, and you see shots over there, and then you see the holes in the glass, and everything is shattered. Seconds later, gunmen enter the kibbutz. Others from Gaza, besides Hamas gunmen, also appeared. Men and some young people wanting to be part of the attack or just witness it up close. Hadas Calderon was in her safe room, exchanging messages with her family and neighbors. Even one girl, she tell me, I have a picture that my mom is on the floor with blood and, and a terrorist is uh, with, uh, with a gun just behind her. That's Bracha Levinson. Yes, you know that. Her daughter, she called me, she asked me, do you know about that? Is it a fake picture? Is it true? It was true. 74-year-old Bracha Levinson, adored by generations of kids she helped raise on the kibbutz, was among the first to be murdered. This is Bracha Levinson's home. It's completely torched. We know the gunmen broke in and killed her here. They murdered her. They gained access to her Facebook account, and they posted a live image of her lying on the ground in a pool of blood surrounded by armed men. They wanted her friends and family to see. Groups of gunmen went house to house, block by block, capturing some, killing others. One of the terrorists is hiding. Then apparently he heard something, an engine of a car, an Israeli car approaching the gate. So he stands up, immediately approaching the gate, and fires. And fires. Our kibbutz had a pogrom. They came and they went house by house, house by house. Many residents had made it to their safe rooms, but the fortified shelters were built to protect from rockets, not terrorists on the ground. You can tell gunmen tried to pry this door open. This handle has nearly been pulled off from, from tugging it. It looks like they tried to pry open the door as well. You can fit your hand through here. They could just maybe look in, but they couldn't actually break through this door. The family in this house survived in their safe room, though at least one of them was wounded. There's blood all over the bed and sheets. Like many, Hadas Calderon's safe room didn't lock from the inside. For hours, she held the door handle to stop gunmen from getting in. I'm in the safe room, but I'm holding my, my door. I'm alone, all alone. 
and I have to survive. I hold it with my leg. After a while, I have pain. I take a metal that my son used to make some sport, you know? Mm. I took the a metal. A pull-up bar. Yeah. I put it in the door. I didn't think I'm going to survive that. I sent a message to my family. Hadassah's 12-year-old son texted her at 8.15 a.m. Mom, be silent, he wrote. I really love you. Minutes later, Hadass wrote in her family group chat, You are my life. Hope that we'll go through this and survive. Love you so much. Her 16-year-old daughter, Sahar, wrote back, Mom, take care of yourself. Love you. Ofer, the father of her kids, texted Hadass to say he'd escaped the safe room through the window with their kids and they were hiding in the bushes. She responded, Are you crazy? Go back to the shelter quickly. Then my battery is gone. I don't have a phone. Light is gone. I'm in the dark. No water, no food, no nothing. Just me and God and the terrorists. Eight hours from 6.30 in the morning till 3 o'clock afternoon. Her daughter, Gaia, in Tel Aviv, cut off from her family, started to scroll through social media, where Hamas was now posting horrific images. It was so hard, but I, I knew I had to do it. So I was trying to find something, and then I saw Erez. <laughs> that was so hard to watch. But then I told myself, okay, he's okay, he's alive. Gaia and her family want people to know what happened to Eris. This video shows him being dragged away by gunmen, one of whom appears to have blood on his hand. We geolocated where the video was shot. This is the last known location of Eris Calderon. He was kidnapped by Hamas gunmen and he was videotaped as they were dr dragging him away in this direction. This is the fence to the, the kibbutz, and Gaza is only about a mile and a half away. Ah, Erez and Sar, I miss him so much, that's what I can tell you. <laughs> Erez is small, he's 12 years old. He never been so far for, for, so, for so many days, so far from me, even in normal condition. Erez is very, very funny guy. He make everybody laugh around him. We always sit together and we laugh. He's small, but he have a huge humor. Mm -hmm. And he loved to ride horses. He loved to ride bike, mountain bike. He loved to play, you know, football, ping pong. Erez's dad, Ofer, has not appeared in any videos, nor has his sister, Sahar. Hadas and Gaia believe they're being held hostage in Gaza. She loved to draw. I can show you something we did. That's her. That's hers. Yeah. yeah. It's just the beginning. You know, I can hear them all the time in my ear, I hear them. Mom, mom, save me. Save me, come to pick me. I miss you, I miss you. The bodies of Hadassah's mother, Carmela Dan, and Carmela's granddaughter, Noya, were identified about a week ago. They were among the more than two dozen residents of near Oz known to have been murdered during the attack. You want to tell me about your grandma? The best grandma in the world. Mm -hmm. I used to, to sit with her for hours and just talk to her about my problem. She was good to talk to. <laughs> yes. 
She always wants to know about everything that, that's going on. Carmela Dan was 80 years old. Her granddaughter, Noya, was 13. Ahead, more on the hostages taken from near Oz. He recognized her immediately. All There Is with Anderson Cooper is supported by Evernorth Health Services. Grief is a human experience. Shouldn't the care we receive feel human too? That's why Evernorth Behavioral Health ensures all members have access to live, specialized support anytime, in person or virtually, with a 100% follow-up commitment to make sure that they get the help that they need. So no matter what stage of grief your employees may be in, there's always a person ready to listen. Stressful times can lead many to bottle up complex feelings, especially at work. 59% of those suffering say nothing. This can have unexpected and serious mental and physical health implications. And with Evernorth's data-driven risk monitoring tools, they can help spot challenges early and step in to guide individuals to care before they undergo any more suffering. Each person's grief is as unique as they are which is why Evernorth offers a wide range of personalized behavioral solutions to meet the needs of every member that they serve. Learn more at evernorth.com slash grief support. I was the first journalist to step inside near Oz, and I came and started documenting two days after the atrocities took place. Itai Angel is a war correspondent and documentary filmmaker for Israel's Channel 12. The first impression is the smell, because you smell death. Imagine that you see nylon bags with body parts. Uh, imagine that you see tiny little bags of uh, babies. And then there is the sound, which is absolutely silent. Nothing but birds. Birds and the chimes. More than a week later, when we were able to get to Niraz and take these images, there was still that strange, sickening silence. Those birds, some flies, a breeze blowing through broken windows. The residents were gone. Only their cats remained. No family, no home was untouched by terror. The gunmen who came to this kibbutz had hours to roam the grounds freely. They killed men, women, and children in their homes, out on the street, in their cars, and they spent a lot of time rifling through people's possessions, seeing what they could take looting whatever they wanted. People's possessions were still strewn about. It appears someone tried to hotwire this car. Nearly every home had been defiled. This is what was left of Adina and David Moshi's home. Torched by gunmen, you can still see plates in the dishwasher. My grandmother she always told me that this is the best place to live. Adina's granddaughter, Anat, says the couple had lived in near Oz for more than 50 years. I grew up in their, this house. Spend there every joyful family moment. 
It's all burned down. Anat recorded this video when she went back to her grandparents' house. She knew what to expect, but still it was overwhelming. I still have my grandmother's bracelet. That's your, that's she gave bracelet? it to me. Yeah. She gave it to me like one month ago before everything happened. Her grandparents hid in their safe room when the gunman came. Adina messaged everyone they were okay. We are perfectly all right, Adina wrote. There are still noises of light guns shooting outside. Other than that, locked in the shelter till further instructions. My grandmother was a very, very strong. She didn't want us to be panicked. Um, Later on, worried about you in that moment. Yeah, she's this kind of woman. She always takes care of us. Later on, we found her phone inside the shelter. Anat says David Moshi was shot through the door of their safe room. Three bullet holes are visible. His dried blood is all over the floor. This is where he died, crouching, holding onto the door handle. At 9.44 a.m., Adina sent her last message. She wrote that her husband was gravely wounded and gunmen were still trying to enter the shelter. The door handle David held onto is still on the floor. Gunmen took Adina through the safe room window. By midday, this video appeared online. I recognize her immediately. That's Adina between two gunmen on a motorbike in Gaza. Did you see Adina? She mm -hmm. she's with red shirt, and they took her. When I was young, she used to call me, and give me candies always. She was like, "Come, come, come, come! I will give you some candies." And she was so sweet. Adina was one of the people who, when we were in the elementary school, she was the one that were taking care of us. And still, as a grown-up, when I would come to, to visit the kibbutz, she always give me a hug and ask, how am I? And uh, she's happy to see my kids grow. David Moshi was buried in near Oz a week and a half after the attack. <laughs> He'd been married to Adina for 53 years. I promised him to fight for my grandmother, but I will not live on an angry way. You don't want to live with hate in your heart? No, this is not our way. <laughs> At his funeral, Anat played this video from a celebration in Niraz earlier this year. That's David singing. Then, one by one, other members of the kibbutz join in. This is what the song means. Um, the time will fix all that breaks. You're allowed to be afraid and you're allowed to be sad. But Tomorrow we can rebuild and recover.
When we return, two more hostages, more than 200 still being held, are on their way home. Hostages are set free. My mom is back. And survivors demand answers. They were betrayed by the state. It is 3 a.m. here in Israel, the early hours of freedom for an American mother and daughter held hostage for nearly two weeks by Hamas. Judith and Natalie Renan were the first hostages to be released from captivity. The two Americans were visiting Judith's mother, Natalie's grandmother, at a kibbutz called Nahal Oz, about 18 miles north of near Oz, when they were kidnapped. How are Judith and Natalie doing? Judith and Natalie, they're doing... Um, they're doing okay, they're taking their time to heal and to process uh, what they've been through, what the entire family and the entire nation has been through. While Judith and Natalie made it out, their cousin Ailette believes nine more of their family members are still being held hostage. We have a three-year-old and an eight-year-old um, brother and sister, Yahel and Naveh, and we have Noam who is 12, so three children in our family. We haven't uh, been given a sign of life or any indication as to how they're doing. This is truly heartbreaking. It's very hard to sleep at night. A few days later, two elderly women were also released, 79-year-old Nurit Cooper and 85-year-old Yocheved Lifshitz. Both were from near Oz. Yechevet's daughter, Sharon, was by her mother's side at the hospital in Tel Aviv when she described her harrowing journey to reporters. I went through hell. They went on a rampage in our kibbutz. I was kidnapped. As I was lying on the side on the motorbike, legs here, body there, the Shabab hit me with sticks. They didn't break my ribs, but it was very painful and made it hard for me to breathe. Yocheved said she was taken into an underground tunnel. There they walked for a few kilometers on the wet ground. There are a huge uh, network of tunnels underneath. It looks like a spider web. When she first arrived, they told them that they are Muslims and they're not going to hurt them. How is your mother doing? My mom is looking okay, a bit thinner. It seemed that she did get a basic medical care. The nurses said she's very sharp and very communicative and she wants to tell everybody what she knows. I think your body, your mind, everything go into quite a different state, isn't it? So I, it seems to me that she somehow had that spirit that carried her through. Sharon's mother was criticized in Israel because when she was released, she shook the hand of a Hamas gunman. What did you think of that when you saw that? It's very typical, my mom. Mm -hmm. 
she she loved the human so even though these were people holding her hostage she's the kind of person who sees them as a human being yes she acknowledged them as a human being horrific as everything is she kind of couldn't stop herself Sharon's father 83 year old Oded Lifshitz is still missing they believe he's being held hostage my father and mother got separated early on um, my father it seems was injured and we don't know more about him so we're still in the dark. You know, my mom is back and that's a ray of light, an amazing, beautiful, bright ray of light, but there's a lot of darkness. You've been to the kibbutz, you've seen what we're facing. People are going for funerals every day. I'm sitting here talking to you, not just to rejoice about my mom's return, wonderful as it is, but to remind everyone that we are still in the situation, that there's over 200 people missing, and that we want them back. Sharon grew up in near Oz and knows many of the families who've lost loved ones. Were you shocked by the, the scale, the brutality? Horrified. It was beyond anything, anything we ever imagined. And the army did not come for seven, eight hours. This is exactly what Israel was built for, isn't it? To protect the Jewish people. It totally failed in that this time. Israel's Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, has yet to publicly accept any responsibility for his government's failures on October 7th. But several high-ranking members of the military and intelligence services have. The lack of awareness by IDF and Shin Bet did great damage to us. These people in Neil Oz are what we call the salt of the earth. And they were betrayed by the state. The people of the kibbutz smuggled me inside. The army prevented people from coming, filming, and documenting it. <laughs> When Hadas Calderon was hiding alone in her safe room, she messaged her children that help was on the way. This will end very soon, and IDF will help. Don't worry, we are stronger than them. Now she too feels betrayed. Eight hours, we've been alone, alone, alone. Nobody helps us. No army. Nobody, nobody helps us. We've been alone. The government's abandoned you now. Yes, they are. Where are they? Where are they? They said the war in Hamas and to kill Hamas is more important. You can't make war on expense of children and babies and old sick people. How do you get through each day? When I start to think about it, I'm crushed. If i crushed, how can I save them? Sharon knows Hadassah's family well, including her niece Noya, who was killed. To lose Noya and to lose all these kids, that will break my parents' hearts. Your mom and dad 
would have wanted the children to be released first. Yeah, my father taught Noya the piano. And my mom will make her cookies. She was one of her kibbutz uh, uh, grandchildren. There's nobody in this kibbutz, in this community, who is not intimately connected with somebody There's else no who's, who's taken. There's no one. We are devastated. How do we come out of this trauma? I don't know, how do we make something that is worth living for? Do you have that answer? I just think, be kind. I really do believe that we should all participate in the little acts of kindness that makes the difference. Even now? What's the alternative? What's the alternative? You know, the bloodshed now. I don't enjoy any death. Not for anyone. It just makes me so sad that in our world we are creating so many stories of trauma and destruction. Coming up, a mother from near Oz kidnapped while clutching her two children. The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish. So there have been arrests, suspensions, disciplinary hearings. They're shutting down graduation events. At this moment, the part of the protests that are admirable are young people calling attention to atrocities. Michael Roth is the president of Wesleyan University. I would like to make a space for them to do that, as long as that space doesn't prevent other people from pursuing their education. Listen to The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish, on your favorite podcast app. We are in a nightmare. I first began to focus on what happened at Niraz when I saw a woman named Ifat Zeiler on CNN two days after the attack. We need everyone's help. She was speaking about her cousin, Shiri Bibas, and Shiri's two children, a four-year-old boy named Ariel and a nine-month-old boy, Kafir, whose kidnapping from Niraz was recorded and posted online. We need everyone to help us, please. Shiri's children were so young, and her cousin's pain was so raw. The day after this interview aired, I met with Ifat in Tel Aviv. What do you want people to know about your cousin? She's a peaceful girl. She's woman. She's amazing. She's beloved by everyone. She's an incredible mother. Cherie's parents, Margit and Yossi Silberman, were also missing, as was her husband, Yarden. He was texting his family while the terrorists entered their home. Yarden told his sister, it feels like the end. I'm scared to death. They're with automatic weapons. His sister is telling him to be quiet. He's telling her, we're trying. They lost contact around 10 a.m. And not long after, this video was posted online. That's Shiri and her kids being taken hostage. I see my cousin. It's outside our house, in the kibbutz, where she lives, holding her two babies. 
covered in a blanket. I can see the horror in her face. Ifa wants the world to pay attention to what happened to her family. In that video, you see Shuri's two little children. They're silent in it. They're not crying. How did they look to you? I think they might have been in a state of shock. She was trying to remain calm for them. If they knew she was terrified, then they would be terrified. Of course, we are all parents. We know that our children can tell everything about us if we're sad, if we're afraid. And she's really brave. I can only imagine. As horrible as it was for Ifa to see this video, it did give her some hope. It's the only proof of life we have. Other families don't have that. I can see her there, I can see her alive. I know she was taken alive. It gives me something to hold on to. Yvonne did find these images of Shiri's husband, Yarden, with blood on his head and hands, apparently in captivity. But she doesn't know what happened to him. We're a small family, and half of them are kidnapped. Half of your family is now? Yeah. Nearly two weeks later, Ifat learned her aunt and uncle, Shiri's parents, were dead. She's still waiting for word on the rest of her family. We need a sign of life. I have a seven-month-old myself, and when I hold him, I think about her, and I think about Kfil, her son, and I think about Ariel. I want to know that they are being fed, if their diaper was changed, if he's, Kfil got his formula, his bottle, something to eat. This is the only thing that I can do. This is the only thing that helps me be sane right now. He's sitting here with you and talking to reporters and showing their faces and telling their story. I want my family back. I want my family back. I'm trying to be strong and stoic and, and speak clearly, but I'm, dev I'm devastated. I'm devastated. I don't know what else to do. We need institutions from the world. We need someone to take care of those captive people, civilians, every hour, every day. It's getting worse. I want my family, if they by any chance are watching this, I want them to know that we love them and we're doing everything we can to get them. We want this to end in the best way possible. You make me happy when skies are gray. Two weeks ago, Ifat made this video hoping to keep attention on her family and the plight of all the hostages. Please don't take my sunshine away. Please don't take my sunshine away. Five days after the Hamas attack, I went to the site of the Supernova Music Festival, where more than 260 people were slaughtered 
and an unknown number of others were taken hostage. While I was there, a soldier showed me some videos of the attack on his phone. In one of them, a badly wounded young man was being taken hostage. Jesus. His hand has been blown off. Days later, I was interviewing two American Israelis, Rachel Goldberg and John Polin, on CNN about their son, Hirsch, who they believe was taken hostage from the music festival. I saw two texts pop up at 8.11 in the morning. The first one said, I love you. And the second one said, I'm sorry. Our son, by all accounts of the, of the witnesses, had his left arm blown off at some point during the attack. He had fashioned for himself some sort of bandage, tourniquet. When John said that, and I saw these pictures of Hirsch, I realized he was the wounded man I'd seen. And I had the video which his parents knew nothing about. It had never been released publicly. I didn't want to shock John and Rachel on live television. Thank you both. Um, is it right if I give you a call after this? Sure. So after the interview was done, I called them immediately and then sent them the video. They now want you to see what happened to their son. They want the world to know there are seriously wounded people who were taken by Hamas who need medical attention. We've blurred out parts of the video but we want to warn you, it's disturbing. It's a crazy sequence of events that we talk to you through a computer screen and then get a phone call from you saying, I have a video of your son. I, I didn't want to say on live television. Which we so appreciated. Of course. The way everything has unfolded, the gentleness that you used, because at the end of the day, you're a journalist, and journalists want a story. And that could have been dealt with in many other ways that were not kind and gentle. They also say the video has given them hope their son is alive. Seeing that video in general, gave us a dose of optimism. And as horrible as it is as a parent to see your kid under gunpoint being pushed with one arm, he's a lefty and his left arm was blown off, pulling himself with his one weak hand onto the truck with that kind of composure gave me a real dose of, of strength that he's handling a horrible situation and he's doing it with composure. John and Rachel often visit their son's room, which is also their bomb shelter. This is Hirsch's room? This is Hirsch's room. You can feel him here close. His globe, his books and mementos, it's all just as he left them. Rachel did make his bed, however. She wants it ready for when he returns. We have a porch that's facing south. And I went out Friday night and I was like screaming to him, mm. you know, hoping. Because mm. Friday night, you know, we bless our children. Traditionally in Jewish homes, you bless your children on Friday night. So I was screaming. The, it's a traditional blessing mm. from uh, the Bible. And so I was screaming the blessing to him with my hands up. I usually put my hands on his head when he's home. So mm. What does the blessing say? It says, um, May God bless you and keep you. May, God sh may God's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May God's
counten countenance be lift up to lifted up toward you and give you peace. So. What do you want people to know about Hirsch? He's just a super curious kid, and this wanderlust that he developed when he was, you know, six or seven years old has been his life, you know, obsession. Always asking for maps and globes and atlases for his bar mitzvah. He got six globes. Like he, you know, that was what he wanted. And he really, you know, these last few years, he's saved every penny to go on this trip that he has a ticket for on December 27th to India and then all points east. How are you able to get through each day? We have to try to go believing that somehow he got treatment and he's there and he's in pain and he's suffering but he's alive and he's there. And there are also the moments in this universe that we now live where you say, maybe he died on the truck. Maybe he bled out in that truck. Maybe he died yesterday. Maybe he died five minutes ago. And there are those moments where you think, how are these thoughts even, I don't understand these thoughts, that, but they're real thoughts. We're trying to balance on the head of the pin and just get everything done with the hope that he'll come home to us alive and he'll go on that trip with one hand. I personally feel like we have to keep running to the end of the earth to save him. Shortly after I interviewed them, Rachel and John appeared at the United Nations in New York, along with other families, to demand world leaders do more to get the hostages home. My name is Rachel, and I am the mother of Hirsch Goldberg Poland. I live in a different universe than all of you. You are right there. We seem like we live in the same place, but I, like all of the mothers and all of the fathers and wives and husbands and children and brothers and sisters and loved ones of the stolen, we all actually live on a different planet. This planet of beyond pain, our planet of no sleep, our planet of despair, our planet of tears. Tonight, Rachel and John and thousands of other family members are still waiting waiting for a call or a knock on the door, a voice on the phone from their loved one, saying, I'm alive, I'm okay, I'm coming home. We leave you tonight with the faces and names of some of the more than 220 people currently believed to be held hostage in Gaza. Grief is a human experience, and the care we receive should be too. Evernorth Behavioral Health ensures all members have access to live, specialized support in person or virtually with a 100% follow-up commitment to make sure they get the help they need. There's always a person there, guiding your employees using data-driven risk monitoring tools so bottled-up feelings don't turn into further suffering. With Evernorth's wide range of behavioral solutions, care can be personalized, simple, and more accessible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash grief support. Now streaming exclusively on Max. 
a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking. Call Me Country. Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.